can the result of elections impact public media? Changes in government can often mean drastic changes for public media organisations, for better or worse, and three countries with elections this year, Australia, Slovenia and Brazil, indicate how the fortunes of public media are tied to the election result to varying degrees. It's like a matter of life and death. We'll stay with this practice of censorship if Bolsonaro won the election. But the other question here is whether the election results themselves are directly influenced by the incumbent government's relationship with public media, how governments which are hostile to public media and have attempted to undermine their independence throughout their term in office can pay the price at the ballot box. There's no question that the electorates that the Liberals lost to the Teal independence, the ABC was definitely a factor. I'm Harry Locke and from the Public Media Alliance, this is Media Uncovered. I'm Terry Flew. I'm Professor of Digital Communications and Culture at the University of Sydney. We begin in Australia, where the elections in May saw the left-wing Australian Labour Party defeat the right-wing Liberal National Coalition government. Good morning and welcome to this special Sunday edition of AM. I'm David Lipson. Australia votes for change. Labor seizes power from the coalition after almost a decade out of office. Anthony Albanese is the new Prime Minister. The election brought an end to nine consecutive years of coalition rule. Under this tenure, the Australian Broadcasting Corporation, the ABC, faced significant funding cuts, countless rebukes in the press. It was subjected to proposed Senate inquiries, not to mention the infamous federal police raids on ABC offices in 2019. While the recent election saw the Labour Party defeat the coalition, it was also defined by the rise of the so-called Teals, independent candidates who won 10 seats in total. These pro-climate, fiscally conservative candidates were also seen as being pro-ABC. So did the sour relationship between the now former coalition and the ABC have any bearing on the election result? There's no question that the electorates that the Liberals lost to the Teal independents, the ABC was definitely a factor unquestionably. We know that this is the audience that's the core demographic for the ABC, that the ABC was felt to be in the crosshairs of the coalition throughout its uh, nine years in government and indeed in the 11 years of the Howard government prior to then and the eight years of the Fraser government prior to then. And at this, this was very much the election where those chickens came home to roost. So the minister who was responsible for communication, Paul Fletcher, who prior to the election held the safest uh, coalition seat in the country in the, the leafy northern suburbs of Sydney, experienced a 15% swing against him. And if patterns were to continue to the next election, he would very much be in the sights of a teal independent. So I'd imagine Paul Fletcher, as well as having to go to a lot more school fates than he used to, is uh, going to avoid the snarky commentary on, on the ABC that it long been a feature of of the previous government and and so you say that the the uh, coalition had not been friendly to the abc in, in in what way what what are some of those sort of experiences that the abc went through during their administration well funding cuts pressure to um not employ certain journalists parliamentary inquiries a fairly consistent drumbeat of uh, criticism around 
news and current affairs programming, around uh, entertainment programming and so forth. I should say not all criticism of the ABC comes from the political right. There's a view that the ABC perhaps in, in dealing with the criticism that it lacks balance towards the Conservatives may have overcompensated. And you'll hear some voices on the left, including some former ABC presenters, criticising the ABC on, on that basis. But the ABC would sit in a cluster of institutions and sectors, and I'd include here the arts, I'd include the universities and others who, uh, to use a commonly used phrase, may feel like they've been gaslit by the um, the previous government for nine years and who perhaps extracted their revenge in, in this election. What was the political differences then in terms of policies when you contrast the Australian Labour Party with the coalition when it comes to public media? Can you outline sort of how they both differ on on public media policy? I don't think it was a major issue in the campaign. Labour, responding to its uh, loss in 2019, went with a very slimmed down set of priorities compared to what it went with in, in 2019, where there was a, a view that the offer it put was too complicated. This election, they stripped that back. It was based around a very small number of themes. The ABC, for the most part, didn't feature. Where the ABC did come in as, as an issue was around the conduct of election debates. The government has considerable discretion around the terms on which it agrees to political debates, and none of the three political debates were hosted by the ABC. And that, that I think, is probably indicative of, I think it's fair to say, hostility with which the ABC was perceived. Certainly, the Prime Minister, Scott Morrison, went out of his way to avoid making appearances on the ABC. The Labour Party's also brought out this policy about stepping up the ABC's presence in the Pacific, which was obviously really stripped back during the coalition. What can you tell me about that? That stems from a different set of issues come under the banner of China. China is in a very expansionist mood in the Pacific region. The Belt and Road Initiative is um, being pushed towards the Pacific Islands, where there is considerable discontent about uh, the level of foreign aid uh, received from Australia and to varying degrees of openness to Chinese Chinese offers. And so I think that can be seen in the context of, if you like, the new Cold War, at least strategic competition in the South Pacific between Australia and China. And so in that sense, the ABC might, might be being used as a, a sort of vehicle for soft power in a way? Uh, yes, yes. Although I, don't, I wouldn't say it's um, having you know, looked at soft power in other, other countries. I wouldn't say it's a particularly coherent strategy at this point in time, although it might, it might become more so. Maybe if we then look at, at now and the future, I mean, in the past few weeks, ever since um, the, the Labour Party were put into power, has there been a sense of, I don't know, increased investment in the ABC or, or, or at least in sort of its its future perhaps being a bit more on solid ground than it was over the previous nine years? It's hard to know. It's hard to know because the new government will have a lot of um, pressures to increase funding in a variety of areas. And of course, as with uh, many parts of the world, Australia is now facing some 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 choppy economic waters, we have the return of inflation, we have interest rates 
now going up. We have energy price issues. These these will all sound familiar concerns. I'm I'm sure real wage real wage pressures. I mean, we'll see. Certainly, Labor governments have been perceived as being more supportive, or at least less less overtly hostile. One thing I would expect the Teal independents to be is to be friends of the ABC. They will want to work productively with the new government. They would see a strong ABC as part of their broader remit towards greater integrity in, uh, in political life. So how the Labour Party acts towards the ABC still remains to be seen. But elsewhere in the world, a new government is already looking to make changes to how the national broadcaster is governed to save it from political partisanship. But there are fears it might already be too late. In April, Slovenia held their parliamentary elections and this saw the end of the populist Prime Minister Janis Janša, known for his anti-media rhetoric, whose right-wing SDS party lost to the left-leaning Freedom Party. But in what state did Mr Janša leave the country's public broadcaster RTV Slovenia? Helena Milinkovic is a foreign news correspondent and union president at RTV. Well, Slovenian public broadcaster is in really bad condition because the current leadership uh, the general director, the program council, and the supervisory council are actually trying to abolish the function of the public media with cutting down the news programs all the time uh, with the politicization of the public media. Uh, we are fighting for the autonomy because there have been some uh, censorship cases in the news program at the television and also the multimedia web page because the chief editors were changed and they were affiliated with the political party that was in the government. Uh, this changed with the elections, but for us, nothing changed. The situation is every day worse. People are leaving and there are a lot of pressures and uh, defamation we are facing every day on Twitter and also the pressure from the chief editor and the leadership of public RTV. So the previous Prime Minister, Janis Jansa, how much was it part of his administration attempts to undermine RTV? Well, he's been trying that for years, decades already. In 2006, his government changed the law. And now we are facing with this political law that was adopted in 2006, and they have a majority in the program council and the supervisory council. This is how they control the public media. And two years ago, just before the pandemic, when Janez Janša took over the government, when the previous prime minister resigned from the office, he wrote this essay and published it on the webpage of the government, The War with Media. And he's writing there with how you should approach the media and how you should slowly, slowly, slowly cook them as a frog. And we are now in this situation, especially in the news program, we are cooked frogs. 30 people left, almost 20% of the staff countdown. The communication is chaotic, aggressive. The chief editor is absent. And this is what we are fighting now. And I mean, I suppose what Yanis Jansa was attempting, we've seen elsewhere across Eastern Europe, you know, this attempt to really capture the the public media and turn it into state media. The fact that that 
hasn't quite managed to happen, that there is still a sense of autonomy, that there are journalists like you within RTV Slovenia fighting back. And the fact that Janša didn't win the recent elections, how much hope do you have that you're going to be able to turn this around? What we are facing of urbanization of the media, they were not uh, very successful here because we are rebelling, we are fighting. And also my our colleagues at radio and other regional programs, they're not buying it, don't want to be propaganda. We don't want to be work for the party. We are work, working for the public. The programming council at the moment, it sounds like it's a very political organization where it shouldn't be. How easy is it going to be to undo that politicization? While the main mandates of the previous uh, members of the program council expired in January, so they had this perfect opportunity to install their party members. And now they have the big majority. It's 21 members of the 28. And what we are seeing since January, this aggressive, aggressive, aggressive war against the news program and also our union because we've been very vocal about their illegal dealings. They also try to forbid us, the journalist union and the journalist association, to communicate to the public. The uh, president of the council, he's affiliated with the SDS party. He's in very close connection to the ex-chief of the communication office of the government and also there's the president of the supervisory council who is connected with this party and we have the general director also very close so these are four people who are running the public rtv and we are pretty helpless we are protesting the most bizarre and vulgar thing is that our correspondent in moscow was in this difficult situation when she faced actually a prison sentence for reporting about the war in Ukraine. She was um, all the time criticized, attacked by the prime minister of Slovenia. Even though the public in Slovenia, the most of the citizens with the change of the government and the elections, Janis Janša lost, they are feeling this freedom, <laughs> but we are not. We are facing the most harsh urbanization, but at the same time, we have massive, massive, massive public support, which never happened in the history of Slovenia, that public would support journalists, especially the public broadcaster. I suppose the issue here is that its legacy, the legacy of the previous government, is really hard to undo. And that is not going to be easily reversed just by one election. It's going to have to be a sustained effort over a number of years. And it doesn't look like that programming council, that general director, they're not going anywhere. So it's going to be a long battle. Well, we hope that the uh, now governing party file a new law. This is the only solution. We have to change the law in order to, to depoliticize the program council and the supervisory council. And now this law changes the constitution of the these two councils and it's cutting down the 
number of the members that are named and nominated by the political parties. That's why we are now in this situation, because the most of these members of the councils are named by the parliament, and there is the problem. And now it's on all the whole society, also the politics, to decide what kind of public media do they want. What is your sense of this new government? You mentioned there the, the, the hopes for the legislation that they might bring in, which would signal greater safeguards for the, the governance. Are you, are you hopeful that, that there will be some real changes at RTV? I believe there will be, because this government uh, really listened and they are ready to depoliticize the public RTV in the sense that the political parties will not have the majority in these boards and the control of uh, the program. But it will take time because all the legal processes and the steps they have to take, but this will not happen before the new year. So we will have to survive until then. How? I'm not sure. We are fighting. We will go to the parliament and we will demand from the parliament to start the investigations into the program council and the supervisory council and the decisions of the general director. We as journalists and employees cannot do that on our own. We want to do our job. And at the moment, we cannot work. Or besides our work, we are actually fighting for the preservation of the public broadcaster in Slovenia. Slovenia's new government has provided hope that proper safeguards may eventually be put in place to prevent the further politicisation of RTV and make it a truly independent public service media organisation. But once again, we'll need to wait to see if this rhetoric translates into concrete actions. In Brazil, a country where the concept of public service media is still relatively new and unrealised, forthcoming elections in December between current President Jair Bolsonaro and opponent Luiz Inácio Lula da Silva does not offer such promises. It's like a matter of life and death, because if he wins the election, he will or privatise the company, or even if he doesn't privatise, will stay with this practice of censorship. Carol Barrieto works for the Brazil Communications Company, or EBC. Over President Jair Bolsonaro's tenure, there have been a range of measures which have seen the EBC brought under complete government control. It has been a problem for a great time. It's not from today. It's something that on the past, in the other governments, and even in the left governments, we had some interventions of government in our editorial line, but now it's very worse. Since 2016, when there was the coup, the impeachment of Dilma, we have a, a worse situation, an enormous censorship today. When you try to write a text a little more critical about something that doesn't interest to the government, uh, your tests will be cut, you have a lot of problems. But now, in Bo Bolsonaro government, it's very, very, very worse. Now we have a militarized 
direction of ABC. And they treat everything in ABC as if we were in a dictatorship. Uh, we had a council on ABC before 2016 that discussed the programmation, the editorial problems, the editorial line. It was finished in 2016. And since that point, we don't have a place where we can discuss these questions. And this is very important to the society interview in, in ABC, and it's not happening. Because of this level of censorship over a number of years, what's your sense of how much the public trusts you? No, I think they trust us very less than they, they used to in the past. We had a lot of problems with the censorship. We have some words that we can't say. It's like prohibited to say that there was a dictatorship in Brazil in 1960s, 1970s. And there are some things we can't talk about when we have social struggle, strikes. We aren't covering this kind of things. And when we put Bolsonaro and what he said, we just try to supervise we are saying about it has been the work of the chiefs of ABC and it's been very, very bad for our people who use it to trust us. They don't trust today anymore. What makes you stay there as a journalist? I stay there because ABC is my dream, a place where I can make public communication without the interference of marketing interests, economic power interests, where we can serve the society in first place. And it's my dream, but it has been very hard to stay there in the last few years. But we are staying because we believe we are able to rebuild the project of the public communication in another government in a moment more favorable for us. And of course, President Bolsonaro has also looked into and is possibly moving ahead with actually privatizing EBC. What sort of damage would that do? How big a threat do you think that is? We have a media in Brazil that's largely private. And so having a company that makes public communication it's something that advances in our market of communication. And so privatize this company would be terrible because it would be something that would compromise this chance of making a communication free of the market's interests, economic power interests, a free communication that could give voice to those who don't have voice generally. Today, I don't believe it will happen until the end of this government. There is the risk if Bolsonaro is re-elected. But now, considering we are in June and the government finishes in December, I don't think it will be concluded. Yeah, and I mean, that really segues onto the election, and, and as you say, it's happening uh, later on this year. 
what is your sense? I mean, how important for for EBC is it that Bolsonaro doesn't win, doesn't get re-elected? It's like a matter of life and death because if he wins the election, even if he doesn't privatize, we'll stay with this practice of censorship, all of this that makes that the people doesn't trust in EBC anymore. And this would stay if Bolsonaro won the election. So things must change because public communication is not we are doing for a long time. And if Lula were to win, what is your sense of what direction that would mean for EBC? Would it mean editorial independence? Would it mean complete freedom? Or or would it just be a slight improvement, do you think? Complete editorial freedom is a dream that's I don't know if can reach with Lula election, but I think things will be better about editorial independence. We'll have some problems still, but I think we'll have, again, the council to discuss our editorial problems. We'll have a major contact with the civil society to discuss the public communication, Public communication will have more space in government agenda. We'll have a better situation. Public communication is something very recent in Brazil. Here we have public communication with the creation of EBC in 2007. So it's very recent. The experience was still being consolidated and It happened, the impeachment of Dilma, and everything was disorganized. So I believe we can take this project in our hands and make it happen again and make it better. But it won't be something easy. And I suppose this isn't just down to one election. It's not just a case of Bolsonaro or Lula. It's about the next generation of politicians and, you know, the, the, the forthcoming governments, the governments not just after this one, the one after that, the one after that, to all understand and all try and make a difference. Yeah, we'll, we'll have to make people understand what EBC does and people will have to struggle with us for the public communication. So the politicians won't try to appropriate from EBC like they do today like they did in the past, and like they will still do if we don't organize ourselves to struggle for ABC. So it's very important that people understand for what we exist. What is the importance of a public communication company in Brazil? Who must it serve? When people understand it and when people appropriate for it, things will be easier for us and we won't have so hard work. But yes, I think it's a work for generations, for the generations to come. It's not something that will be solved. If Lula wins the election, we'll have to struggle yet. We'll have to fight. Carol, thank you so much. I thank you so much. What these three case studies demonstrate is how vulnerable public service media can be to the whims of governments. 
In all three countries, public service media was facing political pressures, whether that's censorship, government investigations, funding cuts, the list goes on. And we hear in each case how political leaders were able to effectively undermine influence and interfere in the media organisation's affairs, albeit to different extents. Subsequently, elections become critical moments for the media organization's future. How the results of that election will define the organization for years to come. These case studies demonstrate the need for effective safeguards to prevent governments from being able to implement such drastic action. It's no coincidence where public service media is more established in countries such as Australia, that the ability to influence while not being negligible is far more limited than in countries where it isn't so protected by legislation and regulation, nor so ingrained in the cultural fabric of society, such as in Brazil. Ultimately, this all demonstrates the need for greater media literacy, especially in countries where the concept of public service media is new. So public and politicians alike understand why public media is so important for democracy. But as demonstrated by Australia and Slovenia, elections also mark a time when governments can be held to account for their actions, with a public which understands what harm is done to democracy when public media is attacked. We'll see what happens in Brazil later this year. Thank you very much for listening to Media Uncovered and my thanks to Carol Barrieto, Helena Malinkovic and Terry Flew for speaking to me. My thanks to the ABC and to Lucas Thompson, Rachel Still and Tom Brazier for the music. You can find out more about elections as well as other news reports, features and interviews about public service and public interest media on our website publicmediaalliance.org. You can follow us on Twitter at Public Media PMA and on Facebook at Public Media Alliance. Don't forget to like and subscribe to the podcast and we'll be back for a new episode next month.